Welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, the podcast that brings you through the entire Bible in 260 days. Have you ever wanted to read the whole Bible but struggled to do so? This podcast is meant to help you do it. With five 15 to 20 minute episodes per week, you will hear the entire Bible read to you. There will also be occasional brief notes to help explain context, as well as a concluding question or thought to consider. So welcome to the Bible in 260 podcast, your journey through the Bible in 260 days. Welcome to episode 253. In this next uh, episode, we are looking at the book of Job again, and one of his friends comes back and basically says to Job, How can you be saying the things you're saying? Do you think we're stupid as your friends? And do you think that we know nothing? And Bildad, this one who's speaking this time, basically says to Job, Listen to me. God always punishes the wicked. So what's happening to you must be punishment for your sin. And Job's response, even though again he says, I don't see what I've done that's so evil or wrong. Job's response includes some of the most famous lines from the book of Job, where Job says, I know that my Redeemer lives. And Job gives us the reason why he continues to cling to God, because he knows that God is his Redeemer, that he will have hope beyond this life, and that because his Redeemer lives, he knows that he can face even this with hope. And so let's jump in and see what we all can learn again from Job chapter 18 to 21. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered, How long until you make an end of words? You must consider, and then we can talk. Why should we be regarded as beasts and considered stupid in your sight? You who tear yourself to pieces in your anger, will the earth be abandoned for your sake, or will a rock be moved from its place? Yes, the lamp of the wicked is extinguished. His flame of fire does not shine. The light in his tent grows dark. His lamp above him is extinguished. His vigorous steps are restricted, and his own counsel throws him down. For he has been thrown into a net by his feet, and he wanders into a mesh. A trap seizes him by the heel, a snare grips him, a rope is hidden for him on the ground, and a trap for him lies on the path. Terrors frighten him on all sides and dog his every step. Calamity is hungry for him, and misfortune is ready at his side. It eats away parts of his skin. The most terrible death devours his limbs. He is dragged from the security of his tent and marched off to the king of terrors. Fire resides in his tent. Over his residence burning sulfur is scattered. Below his roots dry up and his branches wither above. His memory perishes from the earth. He has no name in the land. He is driven from light into darkness and is banished from the world. He has neither children nor descendants among his people. No survivor in those places he once stayed. People of the West are appalled at his fate. People of the East are seized with horror, saying, Surely such is the residence of an evil man, and this is the place of the one who has not known God. Then Job answered, How long will you torment me and crush me with your words? These ten times you have been reproaching me, You are not ashamed to attack me. But even if it were true that I have erred, my error remains solely my concern. If indeed you would exalt yourselves above me and plead my disgrace against me, know then that God has wronged me and encircled me with his net. If I cry out, Violence, I receive no answer. I cry for help, but there is no justice. He has blocked my way so I cannot pass and has set darkness over my paths. He has stripped me of my honor 
and has taken the crown of, off my head. He tears me down on every side until I perish. He uproots my hope like an uprooted tree. This thus is his anger. It burns against me, and he considers me among his enemies. His troops advance together. They throw up a siege ramp against me, and they camp around my tent. He has put my relatives far from me. My acquaintances only turn away from me. My kinsmen have failed me. My friends have forgotten me. My guests and my servant girls consider me a stranger. I am a foreigner in their eyes. I summon my servant, but he does not respond, even though I implore him with my own mouth. My breath is repulsive to my wife. I am loathsome to my brothers. Even youngsters have scorned me. When I get up, they scoff at me. All my closest friends detest me, and those whom I love have turned against me. My bones stick to my skin and my flesh. I have escaped alive with only the skin of my teeth. Have pity on me, my friends. Have pity on me, for the hand of God has struck me. Why do you pursue me like God does? Will you never be satiated with my flesh? Oh, that my words were written down. Oh, that they were written on a scroll. Oh, that with an iron chisel and with lead they were engraved in a rock forever. As for me, I know that my Redeemer lives, and that as the last at the last, he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I will see God, whom I will see for myself, and whom my own eyes will behold, and not another. My heart grows faint within me. If you say, how will we pursue him, since the root of the trouble is found in him? Fear the sword yourselves, for wrath brings the punishment by the sword, so that you may know that there is judgment. Then Zophar the Namathite answered, This is why my troubled thoughts bring me back, because of my feelings within me. When I hear a reproof that dishonors me, then my understanding prompts me to answer. Surely you know that it has been from of old, ever since humankind was placed on the earth, that the elation of the wicked is brief, that the joy of the godless lasts but a moment. Even though his stature reaches to heavens and his head touches the clouds, he will perish forever like his own excrement. Those who used to see him will say, where is he? Like a dream he flies away, never again to be found, and like a vision of the night he is put to flight. People who have seen him will not see him again, and the place where he was will, not, will recognize him no longer. His sons must recompense the poor, his own hands must return his wealth. His bones were full of his youthful vigor, but that vigor will lie down with him in the dust. If evil is sweet in his mouth and he hides it under his tongue, if he retains it for himself and does not let it go, and holds it fast in his mouth, his food is turned sour in his stomach. It becomes the venom of serpents within him. The wealth that he consumed, he vomits up. God will make him throw it out of his stomach. He sucks the poison of serpents. The fangs of a viper kill him. He will not look on the streams, the rivers that are the torrents of honey and butter. He gives back the ill-gotten gain without assimilating it. He will not enjoy the wealth from his commerce, for he has oppressed the poor and abandoned them. He has seized a house which he did not build, for he knows no satisfaction in his appetite. He does not let anything he desires escape. Nothing is left for him to devour. That is why his prosperity does not last. In the fullness of his sufficiency, distress overtakes him. The full force of misery will come upon him. While he is filling his belly, God sends his burning anger against him and rains down his blows upon him. If he flees from an iron weapon, then an arrow of, from a bronze bow pierces him. 
When he pulls it out and comes out of his back, the gleaming point of it, out of his liver, terrors come over him. Total darkness waits to receive his treasures. A fire that has not been kindled will consume him and devour what is left in his tent. The heavens reveal his iniquity. The earth rises up against him. A flood will carry off his house, rushing waters on the day of God's wrath. Such is the lot God allots the wicked and the heritage of his appointment from God. Then Job answered, Listen carefully to my words. Let this be the consolation you offer me. Bear with me and I will speak, and after I have spoken you may mock. Is my complaint against a man? If so, why should I not be impatient? Look at me and be appalled. Put your hands over your mouths. For when I think about this, I am terrified and my body feels a shudder. Why do the wicked go on living, grow old, even increase in power? Their family are firmly established in their presence, their offspring before their eyes. Their houses are safe and without fear, and no rod of punishment from God is upon them. Their bulls breed without fail, their cows calve and do not miscarry. They allow their children to run like a flock, their little ones dance about. They sing to the accompaniment of tambourine and harp and make merry to the sound of the flute. They live out their years in prosperity and go down to the grave in peace. So they say to God, Turn away from us. We do not want to know your ways. Who is the Almighty that we should serve Him? Why would we gain if we were to pray to Him? But their prosperity is not their own doing. The counsel of the wicked is far from me. How often is the lamp of the wicked extinguished? How often does their misfortune come upon them? How often does God apportion pain to them in His anger? How often are they like straw before the wind and like chaff swept away by the whirlwind? You may say, God stores up for a man's punishment for his children. Instead, let him repay the man himself so that he may be humbled. Let his own eyes see his own destruction. Let him drink the anger of the Almighty. For what is his interest in his home after his death, when the number of his months has been broken off? Can anyone teach God's knowledge since he judges those that are on high? One man dies in his full vigor, completely secure and prosperous, his body well nourished, and the marrow in his bones moist. Another man dies in bitterness of soul, never having tasted anything good. Together they lie down in the dust, and worms cover over them both. Yes, I know what you are thinking, the schemes by which you would do wrong to me. For you say, Where now is this nobleman's house, and where are the tents in which the wicked lived? Have you never questioned those who travel the roads? Do you not recognize their accounts, that the evil man is spared from the day of his misfortune, that he is delivered from the day of God's wrath? No one denounces his conduct to his face. No one repays him for what he has done. And when he is carried off to the tombs and watch is kept over the funeral mound, the clods of the torrent valley are sweet to him. Behind him everyone, everybody follows in procession, and before him goes a countless throng. So how can you console me with futile words? Nothing is left of your answers but deception. And here in the midst of the back and forth between Job and his friends, who continue to accuse him and Job continuing to say that he has done nothing that deserves the punishment that he's gotten as far as he can see, as they go back and forth, the continual tension is, where do you find your true sense of who's ultimately going to bring some resolution to this? And Job's answer is, my Redeemer lives. God will vindicate me in the end. 
And while his friends cannot see that there is a possibility that people can suffer unjustly in one sense or suffer even though they're seemingly innocent, this story over and over again is showing us that God is trying to teach us that that does happen, that sometimes the wicked do prosper. Sometimes the the godly do fall into very difficult and painful times. And Jesus himself warned that those who follow him would face persecution and suffering. And so the book of Job really can be a comfort for those who suffer unjustly. They know that their Redeemer has experienced it, and they know that their Redeemer lives. And this leads us then to Psalm 141. And in this psalm, the psalmist is calling out to God, crying out to him, this is David, asking God to come to his rescue, to rescue him from those who are seeking to destroy him, and to do so because God is a patient, loving, gracious, powerful God. Psalm 141. O Lord, I cried to you, come quickly to me. Pay attention to me when I cry out to you. May you accept my prayer like incense and my uplifted hands like the evening offering. O Lord, place a guard at my mouth. Protect the opening of my lips. Do not let me have evil desires or participate in sinful activities with men who behave wickedly. I will not eat their delicacies. May the godly strike me in love and correct me. May my head not refuse choice oil. Indeed, my prayer is a witness against their evil deeds. They will be thrown over the side of a cliff by their judges. They will listen to my words, for they are pleasant. As one plows and breaks up the soil, so our bones are scattered at the mouth of Sheol. Surely I am looking to you, O Sovereign Lord. In you I take shelter. Do not expose me to danger. Protect me from the snare they have laid for me and the traps the evildoers have set. Let the wicked fall into their own nets while I escape. That's David's call for God to bring just judgment and to rescue him in the midst of his sorrow and pain. And then that leads us to our final reading for today from Revelation chapter 15. Again, a description of some of the final plagues that are part of God's judgment against the ungodly. Revelation 15. Then I saw another great and astounding sign in heaven, seven angels who had seven final plagues. They are final because in them God's anger is completed. Then I saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire, and those who had conquered the beast and his image and the number of his name. They were standing by the sea of glass, holding harps given to them by God. They sang the song of Moses and the servant of God and the son of the Lamb, song of the Lamb. It said, Great and astounding are your deeds, Lord God the All-Powerful. Just and true are your ways, King over the nations." Who will not fear you, O Lord, and glorify your name, because you alone are holy? All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. After these things I looked, and the temple, the tent of the testimony, was opened in heaven. And the seven angels who had the seven plagues came out of the temple, dressed in clean, bright linen, wearing the wide golden belts around their chests. Then one of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven golden bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. And the temple was filled with smoke from God's glory and from his power. Thus no one could enter the temple until the seven plagues from the seven angels were completed. And there again is that mix of God's judgment coming, but also in the midst of it a song sung by the people in heaven, the the figures in heaven here around the sea of, of glass, And the song is basically calling out for people to realize the great, astounding power and authority and glory 
and holiness of God, the God in whom we find our hope because that same God is the God who sent the Redeemer, Jesus, God himself, to save those who belong to him. Thanks for listening to the Bible in 260 podcast. May what you have heard speak to your heart and mind today. The scriptures quoted are from the Net Bible, http netbible.com, copyright 1996-2019, used with permission from Biblical Studies Press, LLC, all rights reserved. Our theme song for the podcast is The Call by Emily Ruth. You can find The Call and other music by Emily Ruth on Apple Music or Spotify or wherever you find your music. You're